you know that fresh produce is the best produce. That's why at Kroger, we invest in local farmers to bring you seasonal picks that taste fresh from the farm good, like sweet corn, refreshing watermelon, and juicy peaches. So whether you're a delivery lover, a picker-upper, or you shop in-store, your local produce always tastes 100% fresh, or you get a 100% refund guaranteed. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Back on the death lineup, recapping Warriors-Kings Game 7. Now, Bri, if uh, somebody gave you some truth serum Friday night after they lost Game 6, what was your thought immediately coming into this game, uh, Game 7 on Sunday? It was, oh my God, did I just reverse jinx them again? <laughs> <laughs> I was genuinely like worried. Um you know, I, I thought I trusted in the team that's gotten it done literally every time since, you know, 2015, really like, I mean, a couple finals appearances, but just getting there, you know, they've gotten it done in the first round, second round, third round. I trusted in that, but I also was like, man, this Kings team, you know, they got the energy, the only one day rest. Uh, they got the home crowd. They got really nothing to lose either. That's what kind of scared me is it felt like you start at looking at the Warriors like, the Warriors kind of had like everything to lose in that game is what it felt like is that if you told me that Draymond Green decided to leave and go to a different team because they lost game seven, uh, I would I would probably believe you like that would make sense. I, I thought there was like, you know, I thought the Kings could have single handedly put an end to this Warriors era as we know it. And my, maybe that's a little overdramatic, but I think that, you know, I have I started the series by saying, well, actually, two months ago, I wanted the Suns. But ever since we got the Kings, I started saying like, okay, I, you know, all my basketball foundational, you know, uh, statements or just fundamentals that I, that I live by in the playoffs, the Kings didn't match any of them. Therefore I took the Warriors and I thought that, you know, they, I wasn't going to stress as much as I did. So at first then I thought I reverse jinxed them. And then when they went down 0-2, I started pray, not praying on their downfall, but I was like, oh man, is this rough? And then they start winning again. And then I'm back on their train where I'm like, okay, yeah, we're going to take care of this. And then they lose game six. I'm like, oh my God, did I just reverse jinx this team three times? Uh, so yeah, that, that's where I was. I, I was worried. I thought I was smart after game six. I, I thought I had the hot take. I was like, you know, and this is like midway through the fourth quarter. I was like, mm, they just don't have the legs. Like they don't have the energy. The Kings have all the energy. Kings went small. They out warriors, the warriors. And I was like, man, if they pull that again, this, this might be curtains. This might be it. And, you know, I was even saying in, in, uh, in a, a discord that I, that I have not the BSPN discord, a different one. I was like, I don't know if they have the legs. This might be it. And they played such a smart game in game seven. And I, the, the Kings were, I don't know if it was just the fact that it was game seven or if it was the Warriors were able to slow the game down so much that anytime the Kings tried to run, it was almost like they were forcing the tempo and it wasn't a natural rhythm and their guys just weren't in it because I don't know what the numbers were, but in the second half, how many points did they score in the second half? It seemed like the Kings couldn't put the ball in the basket. I think they scored more than they did in the first half. But again, okay. there was a lot of garbage time stuff. Uh, but I want to say they, they closed the half at either 42 to 46 range, and they ended at 100 points, right? 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll pull. I'll pull up the box here and uh, yeah, and we'll do that take too. a look at the box. But uh, so they played like champions, and that and that's that's what the argument was, right? If you're on the warrior side, you're like, okay, they they're still the veteran team. They have all of that stuff. That they have the pedigree. Uh, what did Draymond call it? The championship DNA. And so all those things pointed towards the Warriors. Now, the thing that pointed towards the Kings is that whenever the end happens, it's it's a team that is on the rise and and the the team that is on top but aging a little bit. Uh, they're they're the ones that that lose that, and and it's the team that's kind of coming. And so that that story was was ripe for Kings fans as well. Totally. And they just did not they they couldn't do it today. Uh it you know, I, I look at these numbers and I said this in our chat and a couple different chats that I had that uh I, I'm not sure if De'Aaron Fox is the guy that kills them. It it feels like it's Malik Monk. It feels like he's the guy that they can't stop. And you look at the numbers of both guys on the biggest game of their young career so far, Fox five for 19, three of 10 from three monk four of 14, two of eight from three. So some of this was the Warriors defense. Some of this was game seven and the Warriors had some game seven jitters too. I mean, these shooting, these non Steph shooting numbers are terrible. Wiggins five for 16, Clay nine, uh, four for nineteen. <laughs> Jordan Poole three for nine. Those are the only guys who took more than five shots. Actually, Draymond three for seven. Uh, but no one else took more than five shots except for Steph, and he was twenty of of thirty eight. Um, I have a I have a quote for you now. You I don't think you've read this yet, unless you I have. Did. You read I the did. Marcus Thompson yeah. piece. Okay, so I have the quote for you. And we'll pull it up here, and then we'll kind of go into the the, the takeaways of this game. Marcus wrote, according to multiple sources in the private session, now this was yesterday, this would have been Saturday, uh, in which this happened. And I believe it was just uh, at film. Were were they doing film study or something? That's what it sounded like. Curry told the team he believed in them that they had enough to win. He asked for their trust in return. He assured them he could deliver victory if they all bought in. He implored them to put all of their feelings aside, which sources with knowledge of the locker room felt was message directed at Poole, Jonathan Kaminga, and other guys who might have been unhappy for reasons such as playing time and role. Was JMG the only guy not to get in the game who's kind of like a guy who got minutes all season. <laughs> like he didn't even play so. in the garbage time. Uh, and lock into the unified mission. Anyone who wanted to remain in their emotions, he told them to stay home. Anyone who was ready for their vacation, he told them not to get on the bus for Sacramento. But anyone who did get on the bus, Curry took that as a signature of approval, a binding agreement to be on board with the mission. And if they did that, if they got on the bus, he promised they uh, he'd deliver with his game, his faith, their solidarity, they'd win. So, can I can I push back? Uh, not not push back on on the statement. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, you know, I didn't really realize it as much until real reading the story. But you know, Curry doesn't 
Kerr doesn't do this that much. He doesn't yeah. make these types of speeches. He's more the lead by example guy. Draymond's more of like the vocal leader is what it's kind of been like in this era. But is, is there going to be, is anyone really not getting on the bus? Like if, 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 if everyone gets on, if whoever gets on the bus, you get Curry's like signature, like, yes, I appreciate you for getting on the bus. Who's not getting on the bus? Who, if that is a kill to your career, if you're someone on a contract like DiVincenzo, even if you're like one of the young guys, like if you just go to vacation early or you just don't get on the bus to Sacramento for a game seven, you're, you kill your career. That's not what the intention was, though. His intention was he didn't want to say, Jordan, get out of your emotions. He didn't want to say, Kaminga, it's about the team. It's not about you. He didn't want to say that. Mm. So he used that example as the, you know, as everybody. He's not pointing fingers at folks. But you think there's a little clay in there? I don't know. Clay still got his 19, huh? <laughs> clay still put his 19 <laughs> shots up. Clay, clay is definitely in his emotions. But it was it's not the same. It's not over playing time. It's not over uh stuff off the court. It's because his jumper just left him in these last few games. That that's why he's in his emotions. But anyways, wanted to mention this because I kind of early in this series, when they went down 2-0, I was like, why is Steph so calm? Like, why is he not? trying to fire these guys up. Why is he saying stuff like, yeah, you know, that that's what this is about. You know, you love the challenge of it. He, he's be, he was being so like, um, I don't even know what the word is, but he, he wasn't caught up in everything that we're caught up in. And he was just so calm and was just like, yeah, like this is just what it takes. You know, it's a challenge. Can you deliver? Can you deliver in these moments? And that was his mentality. That was his thought process. And he waited until game seven to really put it on the line with his teammates. And this conversation, according to Marcus's article, uh, both Steph and Dre couldn't sleep on Friday. And so Steph kind of woke up and checked his phone and he saw that he had a text from Dre. And so they were both talking about the game. And then Dre was going to do a speech in his way like this. And Steph said, no, I got it. And Draymond was like, that's all I needed to hear. So, you know, we always have these stories that become legend in, in Warriors lore. The the famous one is 2015 when Draymond and Steph went out to the restaurant in Memphis and Draymond basically told him, like, dude, you're the MVP. Like, you're Steph Curry. You know, you, you, we, need to, we need to play through you. And, you know, there's so many different moments, the, the Kevin Durant stuff and how Steph, you know, is like, hey, man. I, I it's not I, I don't really care whose team it is. I just want to win. And so, you know, you have these moments with him, but he's not boisterous. He's not he's not a, a great quote in the media. You know, you don't hear from him. You like you said, lead by example. But this is another one of those moments where he kind of did what he needed to do. Now, some may say, oh, you know, it's only the first round. And yeah, it's true. It's only the first round, but he sensed that it was important enough for that to come out now. And, you know, we'll see. Maybe that that will have some effect throughout the next season or the next series because it, it has to, right? Like, now, we're, we're saying Jordan Poole and Jonathan Kaminga both because we've been watching the, the whole season and, and last year too, but also because Marcus named them in this piece. So I don't feel like I'm speaking at a turn in mentioning them. But 
you know, they're both young dudes. There's pressure on them. There's pressure on their brand to do well on this big stage. You know, Kaminga's going to have, uh, what does Kaminga have? Two more seasons and then there's, or, or no, he's got one season and then the Warriors have an option, right? It's, it's they have the, the option. extension uh, potential. And, and, and so, you know, you you don't want that decision for them to even think about it. You're like, come on, I'm I'm JK, man. Like, I, I'm the future. But he's not getting any run. And you have Jordan Poole, who's playing more reminiscent to when they had to send him down to the G League three years ago or two years ago, mm-hmm. then you know, then last year's Jordan Poole. Yeah, the almost most improved player. And, and so, you know, Steph, as as much as you know, it's sort of like picking on young guys. Like, it's the energy we saw that there was that video that came out after Game Six where it looks like Draymond is kind of going to maybe pat Jordan on the back and Jordan pushes, you know, kind of pushes out of the way. Now we don't have context in that video. We just had that short clip, but that kind of energy is, you know, you know what it's like to play in a team. Like it's just. Yeah. But what happens when, what happens when the guy that you say, you know what, maybe I don't want to talk to you. Maybe that, that what happens when that guy punches you in the face eight months earlier. I, uh, yeah. I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm more so like, yeah, that maybe that wasn't the best look on camera, but like, I don't know. I just, for me, it was just like, look, Jordan's having a terrible game. Maybe he doesn't want to take advice from someone right now, especially from the guy who gave him a nice little shiner. Yeah. But that's part of, I think what Steph is saying, right? Yeah. Draymond didn't punch Steph in the face, (laughs) but, but it's the, you know, you have to let that stuff. If that, if that punch is affecting Jordan Poole, in the NBA playoffs, then he's just not going to play. I don't, that's not what I'm saying. I'm more so just saying like, Hey, you know, maybe I just like, don't want to, um, uh, I don't know. I I, I didn't think that was, I didn't think that that was the worst. I don't know. I'm kind of on Jordan Poole's side for that one. I, I didn't think that was like, yeah, like he hears everything. Like, I think there was a game where he went off in the regular season towards the end of the regular season. I'm not sure. I'm trying to remember what it was, but he had a comment like in his post game, um, you know, when Molly and Festus talked to people on the court, whoever was the player of the game, like Poole said right away, like, um, you know, I've been hearing what you guys have been saying about me. And Molly's like, what, what did we say? <laughs> but he was more so directing it to like, I guess, people on Twitter. So like Jordan hears, you know, he, he's reading that stuff, what people are saying about him on Twitter. And it's just been all negative for the past like three weeks. Um, and he knows that. I mean, I feel like most players like understand they they have a self-awareness except for Dylan Brooks. Everyone else has a self-awareness of like, hey, I see people are talking bad about me on social media. I am playing bad. Maybe I don't want to have this type of conversation. with. OK, but you can you can do that with words, right? You can do that off the court. Hey, Dre, you know, next time you just kind of got to let me be. Um, You can't be that demonstrative because when you, when you already have this reputation, you being that demonstrative in front of people, it's not good for the energy. It's not good for the team. It just makes your teammates eye roll you. And, and look, he may have a much better relationship with these guys than, than we know. And maybe, man, maybe that maybe they have some sort of understanding of that, but you don't do that when you win a game, right? 
Uh, it doesn't get put on camera, I'll tell you that much, if you're winning. Well, I mean, the cameras are there, but you're not going to react that way when you're winning. If if you hit a, if you hit a three and Draymond comes to dap you up, you're dapping him up. But if you play like crap and Draymond comes over and tries to, you know, get you going and, and keep your head in and you push him away, that is a telling thing for the chemistry of a basketball team. And I think that is a lot of what was in Steph's quote and in, 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 in what he wanted to say. Uh, and, you know, hopefully it'll get them to play through that stuff and, and not maybe not have it. You know, I don't know if you can not have it, but, the, you know, I, I'm, I'm Team Jordan on that punch as well. You know that. But when it comes to game time and when the check is on the line and when the championship is on the line and, th- and you're telling everybody this is what you play for, you kind of have to leave that stuff and deal with it after. Um, so that that that's uh, I, I just found that leadership from Steph to be very interesting. Uh, very happy that they had that moment and that they could go on uh, and, and win this game. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. So let, let's do some some takeaways. Um, I will let I, I will let you have the Steph one, uh, just the the how he played. The takeaway that I'm gonna have is uh it is gonna be Kings based because uh I, I find the Monday morning quarterbacking for today's game, so interesting. And I actually, I don't really know too many Kings fans, so I don't know what they feel. This is more just sort of a casual basketball conversation. But DeMontis Sabonis, uh, he had a a good, he had a good box score, except the uh, eight rebounds to Looney's 21. He definitely got out-rebounded. But you look at his box and you're like, eh, he seemed like he played kind of well. He's a minus 22 on the floor, and he's the guy he played the most minutes of anybody on their team. And it looked like, at least as far as my eyes saw in game six, that DeMontis Sabonis, when he went to the bench, 
their offense just got so much better. Now, I'm not saying you have to sit that guy uh, because they were not afraid to sit guys. Harrison Barnes, 13 minutes tonight. Keegan Murray, 27 minutes. Uh, Kevin Herter, 28 minutes. You could probably argue that Kevin Herter should have probably played more closer to Harrison Barnes's number. So Mike Brown wasn't, you know, he wasn't afraid to sit guys who gave him heavy minutes and great minutes for the entire season. Terrence Davis played 25 minutes today. Malik Monk played 31. Trey Lyles played 20. So those guys got the minutes that Harrison didn't. But not Sabonis. Sabonis played 37 minutes. He wasn't really in foul trouble. It, it just looked on television like Kevon Looney kicked his butt up and down the floor. And I kind of wonder, should Mike Brown have done a little bit more of what they did in game six with Sabonis? And that's my major takeaway, which is Sabonis was a big part of the reason they lost. I also I also blame uh, that they, they, Fox didn't have anything today. And if he did, this game is probably a little different, but he couldn't, you know, Steph has 50 and you need to match him. And that's the, the, the conversation that people are having that, you know, you need to match him. And when Steph has 50, you have 16. So those are my two big takeaways. They're two best players. They're two, uh, all-star type players, all-star caliber players. Those guys did not show up in the way that they needed them to show up today. Yeah, uh, I think that's a good point. It's, it's honestly something I was thinking too, and I'm glad that you mentioned his minutes because I feel like that checks out with the eye test then. They figured something out in game six, the Kings did. Yeah. And it felt like they did not use that in game seven. It's almost like Mike Brown said, okay, I'm going to like try to outthink myself here where Kerr, now Kerr thinks I'm going to use that small ball lineup, so he's going to be prefer- prepared for it. So instead, let's just go back to what we were doing and see if we can catch them off guard. I don't know if that was the thinking. That's just what it looked like, and it looked so silly. I thought that, you know, Sabonis was for sure the person who should have, you know, sat the bench a little more, and I'm with you that Kevin Herter probably should have gotten the HB minutes and just reversed those two. Yeah. It felt, it felt like with Kevin Herter, everyone was like, oh, he's due, he's due, he's due, and he just never Well, he hit the first well. one, right? And so you're like, uh-oh, he hit the first one. This this might be coming for him, and it, 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 that's the only one he hit. I'm not going to lie. Every single time he hit a three-pointer in any game, I was like, uh-oh, I hope he doesn't get it going, <laughs> and he never got it going. I mean, it's not like he was completely useless. He led the team in rebounds. He and Monk both had nine rebounds, so he was flying around the court. But also, when he when he had to guard Steph, Steph was like, oh, okay. And, and Steph didn't really have to do anything but go right. He would just go right, go right by him, lay up. Uh, okay, what was your major takeaway? Um, I mean, if you're giving me Steph, uh, a little side one is, what I don't think I've ever seen. If we were giving out a butt cheek award, I'm sure there's multiple people who would get it. But for me, like GP2, like <laughs> I didn't think he can get rattled like that. Like I don't know if he was like rattled, but it just was not his type of well, confidence. He, he missed a bunny, missed the missed like two bunnies, or he or he uh, goaltended a bunny. Yeah, he he hung on. He grabbed the rim. I it had to be accidental. I think he was trying to do it like a putback, but he did grab it when the ball mm-hmm. went in. And then someone beats him, uh, just sneaks behind him baseline, and he catches it late. And then he goes and fouls the guy for an and one. 
yeah. it was just he was a minus 13 i was very i was very surprised at how poorly he played because i feel like he's usually like you could shoe him in for good minutes i thought he had a nice steal on uh fox where he slapped the ball fox was going left he slapped the ball goes off of fox's knee and he goes out of bounds they called him for a foul but Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy were too busy goofing off talking about something else. And I was like, that looked like a clean play. But you're right, because I texted you early in the game, and I was like, I'm not sure this is GP's game. Like, this may not be his game tonight. This may not be the one for him. And, yeah, it's, you know, we go back. If we go back a few games, and Draymond Green had a quote, something about, I don't even know the quote. I heard it on a podcast, probably plus minus where Draymond said something like, yeah, you know, finally Gary's doing something for us or something like it was kind of like a backhanded compliment. And he he did not, he, you know, he didn't have very many of those dunks. He didn't have very many of those crashing the rebounds. A lot of times I was watching him and there were opportunities for him to crash the offensive rebound. But I think he was trying to stick to shoot to um, his spot in, in the corner just in case. I, I wasn't really sure. And no one really mentioned it, but he he didn't play well, and and I'm glad that that wasn't a, a focal point uh, of a, of a possible loss because they you know n- again you look at that box score and it's like two guys played well for the Warriors, two guys played excellently. You know, you could say Draymond. I thought Draymond played pretty well, but yeah. Clay, Jordan, GP, Moses was Moses was Moses. He was just kind of out there, but yeah, you know. Steph really saved everybody's tail tonight and yeah, did so to I, where I mean, it was a blowout. The takeaway. Yeah, the takeaway is that Steph had a 50 ball. Um, he, let me just confirm a couple of statistics. 20 for 38, 7 for 18 from 3, 50 ball. That is um, the record for most points in a game seven. If I'm not, if I'm, yeah, that's correct. Most points in a game for game for a game seven. I think second place is KD. Versus yeah. the Milwaukee Bucks. Was it last year or two years ago? Two years ago. Yeah. And KD lost that game. So now we have another foot on the line on the three, yep. man. The famous foot on the line. His shoes too big. Um, I thought what was super impressive is that 37 minutes. Now they got pulled early because it was they're starting was, to blow. He would have gone 40 if if they would have if he played the whole do you know do you know when he got pulled? Uh, it had to be uh, four minute mark. Three three minutes, I think. Three minute mark. Okay, so he would have gone forty. He's gone yeah. way. He's gone like forty three, like multiple times in this series already. Uh, but yeah, thirty seven minutes, fifty ball, on that efficient of shooting. <laughs> like I feel like we just witnessed one of the greatest games of all time from uh, one of the greatest players of all time. And you know what was the most impressive thing to me was not the th- way that he shot the three ball because he shot the three ball better than that. Mm-hmm. It was late in the game, and we ta- we've talked about this when KD was here. Late in the game, late in the shot clock, you need a bucket. KD's the best player of all time for that moment because he's just taller than everybody who's guarding him. He's just gonna, he catches everything in rhythm. He goes up for the, for the J, for the mid-range, and he's just money. Steph was a small version of KD today. He... His usage rate was maybe the highest it's ever been in in one game. And when they needed a bucket, when everyone else was cold, Andrew Wiggins missing four free throws in a row, Clay, these guys are leaving Clay wide open. 
they're they're doing the Sabonis to Clay. And he's even getting a rhythm dribble and he's bricking. And Steph was like, okay, what's the best offense? Well, I'm going to hold the ball. I'm going to pull it out. And when 10 seconds, I'm going to get a screen. I, I'm either going to go with the screen or I'm going to not go with the screen. And I'm going to get in the paint and I'm going to get to the get to the uh the the bucket or I'm going to shoot, you know, uh, a 12 footer. It was crazy how everybody in the building knew what was happening. The Kings five players knew what was happening. And every time he passed it out, they were so happy. Uh you know, Draymond in the corner. I was like, "Oh, okay, I guess." <laughs> and he missed. But they couldn't stop it. It was one of the craziest things you'll ever see. From a guy who is like literally six one and a half, the handle was there, no crazy turnovers, the ability just to be strong and hold your position, seeing the trap before the trap got there. And even sometimes the trap is there and he just figures out how to split it because his handle is so good. He was on one tonight. And it, you know, I don't know what the greatest Steph performance of all time is, but this has got to be up there. Yeah. Yeah, it totally is. All right, so we have Steph. Steph's our, our player of the game, no doubt. You know, if you want to have a distant second, it's probably Loon. Loon, he just, he killed Sabonis tonight. It was, I I like, we, we know that he has that in him. And some of it was he was just in the perfect spot. But he made Sabonis, you know, look like a, a a small guy out there. And I think Sabonis is probably taller than he is. But Loon was a, Loon was a man tonight. Uh, by the way, uh, my guy, Shelvin, who's uh, usually watches Rod and I on the, on the, we want winners. He's in, he's in Arizona. Uh, so he wants sons and warriors in the Western conference finals. So he's, so does Adam silver. So does Adam silver. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, Adam silver's probably fine with Lakers sons though. You know, it's a good second nuggets. place. No, they don't want the, <laughs> the Nuggets. But you know what? The Nuggets did, in, in Game One, they kind of put it to them. Yeah, I have the Nuggets, but I mean, if you the on paper better basketball team is the Nuggets, and yeah. as we know, though on paper doesn't always fit in in the way that we want. So uh, before we get to the Lakers Warriors quick preview, uh, I want to mention that uh, tomorrow Brad and I will, will be uh, doing Thompson to Clark. The Giants just played in Mexico City against the Padres, and they had got they had won three out of four from St. Louis, I believe. I I, they, yeah. I know they played St. Louis, but I think it was three out of four. And so you're kind of going into this series in Mexico, which is kind of fun, kind of going in on a high. You don't play the Padres many times this year as you usually do, and as it's kind of been the rhythm of this season. The games that they lose feel worse than the games that they win make you feel good about the team. Is this the Warriors? Are we talking about the Warriors still? We're talking about the Giants, man. <laughs> they go into Mexico City and they, it's, it's kind of, you know, it's, I mean, well, they had that crazy game where yeah, it was like just, arena baseball where just, yeah, just Tatis. I thought I was Tatis, behind the controller. Tatis had a pop up. And almost like he just like threw his bat down in frustration and the ball went over the fence. I was like, what's going on here? But anyway, Brad and I will be there to talk about it. And we're going to name Brad's cocktail, his Terramana and Grapefruit Stevia cocktail. 
We're both going to have one tomorrow, and then we're going to name the drink and probably put something on social media for the recipe for anybody who who wants to have some with us. Okay, so let's get to this preview. Uh, Warriors-Lakers, I asked you to look at the uh, the best lineups that the Lakers had in the series against Memphis. Now, they're probably going to make some adjustments. I don't think they're going to play them the same way that uh, they played Memphis. But what what are we looking at as far as lineups for the Lakers? We are looking at D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves, LeBron James, Jared Vanderbilt, Anthony Davis. So that's it's their money lineup. That's a, is that their starting five? That is their starting five. Yeah, it's a good lineup. It's a really good lineup. Now, if you're a Warriors fan who watched D'Angelo Russell. <laughs> I think you're comfortable with that matchup with Steph. Oh, yeah. Now, he's not going to guard Steph. Uh, you know, I'm sure they'll be creative. I'm sure Vanderbilt's going to take gonna Vanderbilt. some time, yeah. you know, on him. Schroeder, mostly. And, and then, you know, and they'll, they'll get them both into action and try and get, you know, Reeves or yeah, Reeves. Reeves. Reeves could play. OK, uh, you know, Steph will want to bust him, but they're going to, you know, that's a really, really good lineup. And it just kind of tells you. Uh, you know, the the way that the Warriors were able to beat the Kings because the Kings didn't really have that inside presence. That's not the way that you're going to be able to beat the Lakers. And so I'm really curious what the lever is that Kerr pulls. And I've been harping on this the last game or two. I think it's got to be Kaminga. I think Kaminga has to play in this series just because he is another big body and a big athlete. But if this game gets slowed down, because you know LeBron's going to slow it down, and they look, you know, you watch the Warriors tonight, today, they are very comfortable playing slow. That is not the best usage of Kaminga. So I don't know. I'm hopeful that he gets some run. You could use three or four of his fouls against LeBron and AD. Um, but what w- what do you think? Kerr, you, is there a lever for Kerr to pull in this series based on these matchups? Ooh. I think the Kamingo one's tough. I see what you're saying. He's a body to throw at, like, like even like LeBron. He actually did a really solid job his rookie year giving LeBron, like, an issue during a game. Um, but, man, I swear, those were his worst games this year. Kamingas against the, against the Lakers. Just Vanderbilt doing to him what Draymond did to Russell Westbrook, just like daring him to shoot. But you mentioned this the last time we talked. Steph didn't play in a few of those games. And Wiggins didn't play any, really and, any. And, and, and so Kaminga's trying to do, he, he's trying to be a guy, right? He's trying to be a threat. And that won't be his role, in, you know, because he's not going to be, he's not going to be the guy that they need to just go and, you know, get an easy two. He's going to be the beneficiary of, the GP stuff, the you know, the lob, the putbacks, the crash the boards. And that that's what he would that's what they would expect out of him. So um I don't know, but what do you what do you think about about Moody? Does Moody fit in this series? I feel like Moody played so well this series that you can't not try him. I know it feels like the story for Moody has just been like stay ready and he's only like a situational guy where some series he works, some series he doesn't. I feel like that shouldn't be like the total narrative around this guy. Like, it seems like he's a try hard guy. It seems like, you know, stay ready. You know, it does a lot of the right things. I don't know why he shouldn't see run in this specific series. 
But I'm interested in that Clay Austin Reeves matchup. I've been saying, you know, we we say how Clay gets cooked by those little those little small point guards, those quick small point guards, and I've been saying that I feel like you know that 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 slower bucket getter is more of the guy who can who Clay can keep up with, like the Jalen Brown of of last finals. I feel like Austin Reeves kind of fits that mold. I'm excited for that type of matchup. Um, he, he was up and down with Keegan, but Keegan did not have a great game. You you could say that maybe the reason Clay's shots were flat because he was balling out as hard as he could on defense today. Defense. Mm, interesting. Um, to be honest, I'm trying to think of like, like, okay. So just looking at just going to the teams here for filtered by this year's playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, the Lakers are, I think are number one in rebounding. I believe. Okay. Rebounds Lakers 49.7 per game. That's number one. The Warriors are number five, 46.4 per game. That what worries me because, you know, Anthony Davis is not the Montes Sabonis. Um, even their backup, who I think the Warriors will have a nice time uh, dealing with, is Wenyan Gabriel. He's like, a, I don't know, Nerland's Noel type of big or like a... He had 21 minutes this entire series against the Grizzlies. Yeah, and a lot of it came at that very game seven, maybe. Um, but I just I just don't know if Looney, if he's going to have this type, another type of, you know, what he had against the Kings is like amazing and and almost feels like it can't be replicated anyways but you know anthony davis is is a different type of monster and i feel like draymond green is usually the guy who's been good on anthony davis i'm so i'm just mainly wondering like okay you know all this loon talk i don't know where he fits in this series well he's gonna have to battle for for those rebounds right um anthony davis we don't want him guarding anthony davis well, he doesn't. He doesn't have to guard him, but that's who he's going to be battling in the inside for yeah. rebounds. Anthony Davis had 14 rebounds a game. LeBron had 11. So it's also Draymond, right? Draymond is going to have to battle, and you may see them play together a little bit more instead of separating them like like they had done. Um, Anthony Davis had four, almost four and a half blocks a game too. Jared Vanderbilt had one and a half. It's so interesting how these minutes are. And and I understand some of the Lakers fans uh, maybe not super happy with the rotations, but uh, Vanderbilt actually plays less per game uh, than Rui does. Vanderbilt's at 20 in this series, uh, this, this previous series against Memphis, and Rui was at 25. Austin's playing a lot. He's playing 36 minutes. D'Angelo is at 31 and Schroeder plays 22. Schroeder is a guy who can hurt the Warriors for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, Malik Beasley. I thought Malik Beasley would play a little bit more. He was only playing about 11 minutes a game. And then Troy Brown, Troy Brown Jr. about 15 minutes a game. So Gabriel, he didn't. He barely played. Lonnie Walker barely played. Christie barely played. Mo Bamba, 10 minutes in, in six games. And, I'm uh, telling you, like all of those guys, like I was filtering their minutes and their number two lineup just by a per game basis. So a nine minute per game lineup was that bench time lineup yeah. after game seven. They were up by 30 going into the fourth quarter. Like they just subbed in everyone. And that that's why Matt Chris, Max Christie even logged a minute because of that type of uh, lineup. What is your biggest worry going into this series? Because the, the Warriors will have home court advantage. So, you know, they won these two really hard road games. They still tend to play better at home. 
And so you, you know, Warriors fans should feel pretty good about that. But what is your biggest worry about the Lakers? Game one, I think, is my biggest worry. Not even just of the Lakers, just game one. I think that, you know, the Warriors and the Lakers both had their game six on Friday. Um, the Warriors did not get it done and had to go to a game seven. The Lakers got it done. So now they have been resting since Saturday, I mean, since Friday night. And then the Warriors had to play today on Sunday and the Lakers did not have to play today. They won their series and they're going to be playing. They have, they're going to have a four day rest, whereas the Warriors are going to have like a one day rest up until they play on Tuesday. So, you know, even though the Warriors have this crazy home court advantage and, you know, they're probably going to be favored. I, I worry about, you know, this, this team, I don't want to be uh Malik monk and call them old guys, but they're old guys. <laughs> and I think that, you know, they would, they needed to win that game six just to, um, I think they needed the rest. And I think that the Lakers have a actual chance uh, to legitimately upset them in game one, which I, I feel like is just not great for, especially when you have home court advantage, just because, you know, the Warriors messed around and didn't get it done in game six. I My biggest worry is that, you know, LeBron has this ability to slow the game down and kind of dissect the game when he needs. And it's kind of what's, it's pretty much what Steph did tonight, but LeBron does that. He, he, he does that more often when he sees things get bogged down and he's like, okay, this is, this is how we're going to have to do this. If Andre Iguodala was able to play, I think I'd be so much more comfortable because Iguodala is that for the Warriors defensively. Like he he can break things down defensively, like uh, like LeBron can break things down offensively. Hey, hey careful! What are you talking to? <laughs> no, you. What? We call an Iguodala LeBron on on defense of what LeBron is on offense. We're calling Iguodala that on defense. No, he's you're, gonna, he's, you're just gonna get the Laker trolls coming after you. You have to be careful. No, they don't care. Uh, he's because he's he he's just been there and he's guarded LeBron in the toughest times. And I'm not saying that this version of Iguodala could guard this version of LeBron. LeBron is so much bigger than him now anyways. But I would just feel so much more comfortable that when you go to the bench and you have a Moody or you have a Kaminga, if you had an Andre, I would feel so much more comfortable about giving Andre a couple of shots just to kind of make sure things are okay in those moments. Uh, But you see him coaching on on the sidelines, right? Every time... Jordan Poole came out of the game like Andre was standing up. He was in his ear. Uh, Moses Moody as well. So he's there. His He's trying to make it as much of an imprint as he can and not playing. But my worry is that the Warriors defensively may get bogged down a little bit when LeBron decides to slow the game down and let's go possession. Okay, who am I going to point out on this court? Okay, we're going to get a screen. We're going to get a switch. And then I'm going to you know do some stuff here. That's my biggest worry because no Andre and Kaminga didn't play. So if, if you put him into this series and you expect something from him, he did not get the reps in the last series to kind of, to be in it so that he may be a little cold so that that's my my main worry uh i think this series is going to be a great chess match the the tire the the part that you mentioned with the fatigue that 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 could swing game one totally that's why i think it's i think it's specifically game one 
Um, I've, I, I looked at the games because I, I wrote them down on my little calendar, but it's I, I'm pretty sure it's a one day rest. Yeah, for the entire series. For the entire series. It's, and it's they, they play it's, so it's, it's thing. It's Tuesday, then it's Thursday, then it's Saturday, Saturday then it's Monday, then Monday. it's Wednesday, then it's Friday, then it's Sunday again. So that that's the rhythm of the whole series. Now it's going to be very similar to this one in that you know it's just a quick flight, so it's not like you know you're flying really across across country. <laughs> uh, but the the flight to to L.A. takes less than the yeah, drive like to Sacramento, minutes. so. Yeah. Uh, so they they won't have that, and hopefully that helps them a little bit. But uh, are you ready to call your prediction here? What do you what do you think is going to happen in this series? How many games? To me, it feels like you know, I just I hate calling seven because really no, not m- many series go to seven. I think I called one or two sevens. I think I called two sevens in the first round, and it was only one seven, and it was the one I didn't call, which was the Warriors. Um, so I just feel like sevens are are just not likely. So I I think I'm going to go Warriors in six. Um, I think that, you know, I think that this was an inspiring win against the Kings. I think if it was a close one, I'd feel a little more weary about giving them the edge in game one, but it was a pretty, you know, they killed them. They waxed them. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm more inspired for that reason. What I've been getting a read on just by like stats, and I feel like it's kind of hard to take away from that Lakers Memphis series, um, you know, with the weird stuff that was going on. Ja gets hurt in the beginning. It seems like he's not himself. They're missing, you know, two of their key seven guys in the rotation due to injury. Even like Luke Kennard, who was cooking for them, just can't play in the last game. So it just, it, I'm getting the read that the Lakers just by, you know, filtering through these stats and just going through the traditional and the advance is that the Lakers have the better defense. The Warriors have the better offense, but what, what I feel like, you know, uh, makes me feel a little more confident is that I think the Warriors defense when, when Kate, when needed is one of the best in the league with some of the guys they got with Wiggins, Stray, GP2, Kaminga, if, play, if he plays, Moody's pretty solid on defense. DiVincenzo, of course. Um, just a lot of solid defenders up and down the roster that I think can hang with the Lakers. The Lakers just kind of got that size on them. And haven't the Warriors always killed size? <laughs> yeah, they've killed size by going small and and running, but they, they don't look like they want to run as much. These well, Anthony days. Davis is like your perfect small ball five, right? That's kind of always... It's been like the... That's why he's so great. Um, the the the, uh, the whistle could hurt the Warriors in this series too. What's what's been interesting is that it's kind of been a similar whistle for both teams. But I, I you're right. The Lakers got some insane whistle in the regular season, but I think it's comparable. If I was looking correctly, what is also comparable is they both turned the ball over a lot, which is fun for the Warriors. I'd say LeBron. Only he he barely made a three a game in this series, and he shot <laughs> he shot like uh, seven of them. A game. Oh man, he's they, he's they like were just messing around this series against the Grizzlies. Like they they knew, uh, but when it comes to the free throw line, he got to the line thirty one times. Davis got to the line twenty nine times. I haven't looked at the Warriors numbers as far as. Uh, how they, how they, how many times they got to the free throw line? But didn't okay, just looking, I, I, I could tell you, I could tell you on a per game basis. Um, I don't know how valuable this per game basis is, just because it accounts for that game seven or game six for the Lakers, which was just actually, an you, know, you know what? Steph got to the line five more, times more than both of them, Ooh. more than both LeBron and AD. Steph's free throw attempts on a per game level, like just looking at from game to game, like felt very polarizing. Like it mm-hmm. felt like there was 13 one night and five the other night. And I couldn't tell you what he was doing differently in terms of like what he did to get to the line. It just felt like he either got him or he didn't. 
Um, but uh, the Warriors, yeah, they 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 uh, shot more free throws per game than the Lakers did so far in, in the playoffs. Twenty five attempts per game. The Lakers at twenty one point seven attempts per game. The Lakers shot it at an eighty percent clip. The Warriors at a seventy five percent clip. I don't know if that factors in this game because yeah, they were five of fourteen in the third quarter on the free throw line. I think it that's ridiculous. That that's was ridiculous. like if we lost, like oh man, just because you couldn't hit your damn free throws. Like yeah. that is, uh, that's like every, feels like every high school coach is like, just hit your free throws, man. Uh, my prediction is I think they win in seven and I don't think you a road, a seven. I don't think a road team wins a game. I think it's home team wins every single game in the series. You know why? You know why I think that the reason why I think that is because it's Steph versus LeBron in you know, when you need to win on your home court, your best players are are not, you know, are not not going to uh, play poorly. You know, uh, Darren Fox. <laughs> no, no, but that's what I'm saying. He's not Steph, and he's not LeBron. Mm-hmm. Like these guys have have the reps of being in the finals. Like they played in the finals four times against each other. Like how ridiculous is that? And this is only a second round series, but. I'm I'm calling every home team wins their game and the Warriors win the seventh game at Chase. And that's how close I think the series is going to be. Now, the chess match, I think, is going to be crazy because, you know, you're trying to find little things on the margins to to be better. And sometimes it's just about your, your best five and our best five. Jared Vanderbilt, is he going to hit shots like... Malik Monk, or is he going to shoot like, yeah, he doesn't shoot as much as, as Keegan, but you know, it's like, it's that stuff too. Austin Reeves never been in, in a big series. D'Angelo Russell. He's, he's never, never did he been even in, make he's the never, playoffs he's never before? been past the first round. So you're remembering correctly. So, so they're really relying on LeBron's Yoda mentality and Davis Davis is, Played the been Warriors the in the one. finals. I mean, in the playoffs, a lot of times the Warriors. Remember, in uh, was it fifteen or sixteen? Fifteen uh, and seventeen. Yeah, I think there was that one game where the Warriors had to make that crazy comeback, and Steph had to shoot that three from the corner where he couldn't see. Like those games were like that because Anthony Davis was on the other side. So, uh, I yeah, think it, I think what worries me though is that, like, how much this series means to LeBron. And I feel like if you want to be objective, like I think LeBron has maybe been the seventh or eighth best player uh, in the league this season, you know, and we're used to him being like top three or whatever. But I think that in this series, like if there is a switch that he's been waiting to flip, like it just worries me that this, he's just going to do it in this series. Like this, how, yeah. how much it means to him to beat the Warriors, to beat Steph. You know, if like I, I, I personally believe, and I don't think it's a hot take that Anthony Davis has been the Lakers' best player in the playoffs so far. Oh yeah, and and at the end of the season because LeBron was hurt. Yep, and so I'm just like, is LeBron just gonna do some turn back the clock? Of course he will. It's against the Warriors. Of course that's gonna happen. Okay, one one caveat: me. is LeBron still hurt? Hey, didn't he, what was his major quote? He's like, I saw the LeBron James of feet in Germany. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Because, you know, if he's still, you know, if he's playing on this foot and it's not, you know, even near 100%, maybe there is a, a limit to what he can do. 
because you know we're giving the Warriors crap for every other day because they're tired, but this brother is thirty eight years old too. You know he's he's got more miles on him than anybody in the league. So that he's that's like the something. greatest athlete of all time. So that's kind of scaring to me. It's like does that guy get tired? I don't know. I don't know, Steph. You would think Steph is supposed to get Steph tired. Steph is too. the most well-conditioned athlete in the world. That's my opinion. But I think LeBron James is just like the greatest athlete of all even, time. Even more than like a four-minute, 50-second 50, four miler. That, that, you're just fast. You know, that doesn't totally mean you're well-conditioned. That's I think stamina that's the marathon right there. Guy. That's the marathon guys. It's 20, the Ironman guys. Those are the greatest athletes of all time, actually, the Ironman guys. All right, so how do you want to do this? Uh, do you want to try and come back Tuesday night? I don't think I can come back Thursday night. Uh, and then we will figure out what the weekend is like. But do you want to try and come back after game one? Yeah, let's let's write that down in pencil, though. Okay, all right. So we'll try to come back after game one. Uh, probably not going to be able to do so after game two. Um, but yeah, if we, if, we get, if we get one of the next two games I, th- I think we're good and then we can we're potentially in arizona for like a potential game six or seven huh yeah that, that'll be yeah. fun yeah all right all righty so uh that'll be it from here uh thanks to uh, shelvin for popping in and a couple other people who were listening live uh, watching live we don't got them uh light years uh 2000 views after after the live stream is over yet like like light years but uh, Damon Bruce, I was like, oh, Damon Bruce is going live. He didn't have those light years numbers. What's going on, man? <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, no, I mean, you know, he he's newly in the medium, though. He's just uh, got out, out of radio. So we'll be back hopefully Tuesday night. If not, keep, in, uh, keep checking the social feeds, as you can see here if you're watching on video. So for Bry, I am a double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace. Out. When you drive the most dependable mass market brand, you can stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see yourself behind the wheel of the number one most dependable mass market brand three years in a row by J.D. Power. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Kia received the fewest reported problems among mass market brands in the J.D. Power 2021 to 2023 U.S. Vehicle Dependability Studies. 2023 study based on 2020 models. See jdpower.com awards for 2023 details.